Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Blister Podcast on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today, we are sharing tales of sailing, skiing, and going Greenland with Jess Baker and Rachel Burks. Jess and Rachel have quite a shared history, and it turns out that a good chunk of this history, well, came to be on boats. Boats that were used for the sake of going skiing. So, in addition to learning a bit more about their respective backgrounds and their shared history together, Jess and Rachel are, in fact, sharing stories of boating and skiing and talking about this new film of theirs called Going Greenland. Going Greenland premiered earlier this month, and you can check out goinggreenland.com to find upcoming screenings, and the film is likely headed toward a film festival near you. Now, just before we get started, I do want to remind you about our upcoming Blister Summit, Folks, we are now officially just under one month out. This Blister Summit is taking place right here in Crested Butte, Colorado, and the dates are February 12th through the 16th. And at our Blister Summit, you are going to be able to demo and test a ton of gear and go ski with some of our blister reviewers and a number of professional athletes and product designers and participate in panel sessions every evening where, again, you're going to be able to hear from some of the most thoughtful and interesting skiers and snowboarders and product designers and company founders and more. The Blister Summit is for skiers and snowboarders of all ability levels and of every age. So check out the link that we'll include in the show notes of this episode for the Blister Summit to get a whole lot more information on the lineup of events, the brands that are going to be participating. And folks, we are still adding more brands every day. And you are not going to want to miss this event. So check out the link, Blister Summit, February 12th through the 16th, right here in Crested Butte. And now, let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Jess Baker and Rachel Burks. Here we go. Well, I am very happy to be here with Rachel and Jess. Rachel, first question. When did you and Jess first meet? Jonathan, easy, easy answer. (laughs) Uh, Jess and I first met on the free skiing world tour, which predated the free ride world tour. And uh, every single competition that Jess ever showed up to, she won. So everyone else was competing for second place. (laughs) So that's how I met Jess Baker. (laughs) Jess, what was your recollection first time you met Rachel? I know she doesn't make much of a first impression, so you might not remember it all. Yep. No, I remember. It was at the Snowbird competition, and (laughs) I I didn't know her yet, and I hadn't met her yet, but (laughs) she's, like, down at the final, like, the final part of the venue, and there's this, like, 35, 40-foot cliff, 
And she's like above it. And she's just like, yeah. And the whole crowd is like getting all riled up. And then she just sends it. I don't know if she landed. I don't even remember how it all turned out. But I was like, damn, girl. Like she just like blew the crowd away. And everyone was like super impressed. And then boom, Rachel Burks was on the docket. I like that. That seems that seems fitting. That's a good Rachel Berg's first first meeting story, I think. <laughs> totally. I'm pretty sure I didn't even qualify for the finals. <laughs> I'm really not joking at all either. I was like, yeah, I just stopped a big cliff. I got nominated for a little sick bird award or whatever. I didn't even make it to the next day. <laughs> 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 Who cares? Anyway. So w- when was that-ish? What year are we talking? It was 2004. I promise we won't really do this too long, but I can't I can't resist. Jess, did you happen to attend St. Anne's College, Oxford at any <laughs> time of your life? Because that was kind of a moment that Rachel and I shared a while ago. <laughs> Just wanted to clarify, make sure any St. Anne's nope. history. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> Rachel, that's just that's just our thing. I'm glad we cleared that out. I've cleared that up. Yeah, yeah exactly. That was <laughs> so random. <laughs> yeah. So you two meet in we've now established 2004. I have had the opportunity to recently watch your new film, Going Greenland, and in that film there's specific mention of an expedition in 2018, but there's some history between 2004 and 2018, correct? Yes. Uh, so, you know, it's been like the slow buildup between Rachel and I. So from that, like, first moment seeing her huck that cliff, and and then I think, like, the next impression was, like, us dancing on the dance floor some in some party, which was a blast. But then... You know, then then Rachel and I kind of like expanded our careers off into like filming and um, photos and, and kind of working on separate trips and moving in different directions while still kind of doing similar things. And and I have to say, it wasn't really until and we were seeing each other and we were kind of randomly able to connect. But it wasn't until like 2016 where we had this uh, Smith photo shoot, photo video shoot as athletes together. And it was up in Canada, this hut trip. And we just like really reconnected over on that trip. And it was from that point forward that we started like planning out some trips. Well, I sort of just invited her. I was like, hey, you should come on these crazy things with me. (laughs) Is that about right, Rachel? Yeah, that's pretty much right. Yeah. I mean, we got invited on that Smith trip. And then, um, I mean, like truth be told, like we're going to get, I mean, I kind of, we I like was, I know, well, here. it is the truth. Like I, I had the, like part of me, like I'd see Jess, um, up like on top of the tram at Jackson, it up at Jackson hole and whatnot. And she's in her guide jacket and she's always very serious cause she's keeping people alive and like, that's her profession. Right. And so she also kind of like, and she always won and sure. Like she like definitely danced back in the day at when, when the competition was over, but like, I had just seen her in very serious settings, right. For many, many, many years. And then she was going to be guiding our Smith trip. And in the back of my head, I was kind of like, oh man, she's going to be really serious. You know, like it's going to be all business, you know, and within like minute zero, (laughs) we were 
howling, dancing. She was singing to a leaf of lettuce at one point. I just <laughs> like had I, I I had no idea how much fun, or at least I had forgotten how much fun Jess was and is. And and I don't know. It was just kind of a lovely like new like re spark, if you will. You know, like to just. Like, and, you know, call it like a little bit of the process of, you know, falling in love with Jess, you know, she's, she's, yeah, she's also, she's an incredible mountain guide. She's almost a fully certified, um, I always get the acronym wrong, but, um, she's, I mean, she's like one of the very few women in the world with the highest credit, credible certification of being a mountain guide, but then she's also so fun and enjoyable. And that just makes her so much easier to, to like, you know, and to love and like every single trip built off of that. And then all of a sudden it's kind of like, I'm following her and just stuff that I don't even want to do because I'm scared and all that. But I'm like, well, she's so great and it's so fun and what an amazing adventure. I'm in. If Jess is in, I'm in. I feel lucky that she's like, I, a dear friend, a, a mountain partner, like, and, and such an amazing guide. So I, I'm just, I'm on the, I'm on the, I'm on the train. <laughs> on the just train. Jess, that is one hell of an introduction you just received. What I might ask you to do is just fill out the picture a bit more about your background. So we've gotten some bits and pieces here in these opening minutes, but talk a bit about where you grow up started skiing and give us a bit of the the a little more chronological version of your background so i grew up um in north idaho like way in the boonies kind of not that far from canada actually on a farm i grew up on a farm and so i grew up uh on like a 700 acre farm with all sorts of animals uh spent a lot of time with those animals. I was in 4-H, but but my folks were like pretty worldly too. We would travel and, and get around and they gave me the gift of skiing. I, I was five years old when I first went skiing and, and I like clicked right away. And we had Schweitzer Mountain where I grew up as a great training ground. And also like the whole Powder Highway in Canada was there with Red Mountain, Whitewater, Fernie. So everything was really close. So skiing became like my thing very early on. Got into ski racing, um, grew up ski racing, kind of latched on to it, ended up doing pretty well with it. Um, ultimately, kind of had to make a decision between like develop for the U.S. ski team or go get an education at school. So I decided to go get an education and ski race. So I ski race for NCAA Division One team um, at Bates College back east in Maine which actually, it was my first foray back east. I was like, whoa, different culture, and I need to learn how to sharpen my skis. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, really cool experience and, and ended up meeting some great folks. And when I, just before I graduated from Bates, I just, I realized I needed to return to more of my skiing roots. It was just such a part of me already, and I, I needed to get back to it. So... So Jackson Hole was on in my sights, and um, I actually didn't have great memories of Jackson Hole. I remember like racing a downhill in my speed suit and freezing my butt off because it was like negative twenty degrees, and and my skis were too sticky. That that was like my memory, but but I knew I knew Jackson was like the place I needed to go to. So moved to Jackson. This is in two thousand, 
And when I got to Jackson, I, you know, started meeting all these folks and expanding my skiing and, you know, going from this like very regimented, very, very clean form of ski racing to like free ride. And people like AJ Cargill, Doug Coombs, kind of all these like mentors of mine kind of took me under their wing and, and, uh, and, and started free skiing me around in some much bigger terrain. And ultimately, it was AJ Cargill who was like, you should enter some of these free skiing competitions. So uh, moved into the free skiing competition side of things. That's where I met Rachel. Uh, competed on the tour for eight full years. I did do a ninth year, but it was like eight solid, like really competitive years. And then towards the end of that, when I was like, well, this isn't going to create longevity in my career, like, you know, you can only do this for so long before you completely break, break yourself into pieces. So I moved into, I started like tapping into mountain guiding while I was still competing. It just like I started, you know, getting the right mentors, started going up to Alaska. I worked with Doug Coombs in La Grave, France. Um, it just started expanding my my personal resume and auditing and getting into more guiding. So I really, I actually started guiding, like guiding, guiding up in Alaska, kind of like the the mothership up there. Um, Yeah, like heli ski guiding in Alaska. I actually, my first year was in 2004. So I was still fully competing and starting to guide up there. And that was just like epic. I mean, such crazy, crazy, crazy times. And, um, you know, Doug Coombs was still alive during that time. And he was giving me all sorts of advice and, and it's like really helping push me into all these really amazing venues. And then, you know, from there, as I, you know, kind of stepped away from the free ride side of things, I just like delved deeper into bigger expeditions, um, more guiding, but also kind of my still my free skiing career side of it, like taking personal trips, but using all this guiding and like skill set to to explore. And so like in 2016, I ended up that was the year that I connected with the boat, with the Canute and Captain Ben. And I took a trip up to Svalbard. I was actually a guide for this trip, a trip full of women, including like Hadley Hammer. And um, that was my first foray onto the boat. And I realized like I needed to do more of that. It was it was just like an eye-opening experience. Like I need to be exploring the Arctic. I need to go with more women like this. And I need to work with this boat again because it's pretty amazing. And so that was like the beginning of the boat chapter. I look forward to getting back to the boat chapter for sure. But Rachel, as I'm trying to remember our last Blister podcast, I'm kind of blacked out because after the whole St. Anne's connection, I don't remember how much we talked about your background versus just talking about St. Anne's and then literature. So I feel like you should provide for the people a bit of a similar summary and then we'll be on kind of equal footing and then we can start talking about boats. Okay, cool. Well, do you remember talking about barbecue beef sandwiches? <laughs> I do. I guess. <laughs> I was lucky. I love the way Jess said it. She was gifted the gift of skiing. Her parents gifted her. That's such a beautiful way of saying that. Um, uh, my parents also took me skiing. Um, not a lot. They had to literally like bribe me to go. <laughs> you know, big old ski grab gear, you know, but whatever. We, we had a good time. And, um, uh, I, so I didn't really ski that much. I went to college in Texas. That was 
the the best worst experience of my life huge appreciation experience because I didn't know how important the mountains were I just just super independent and needed to get out of ho- out of the house you know and realized very 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 quickly that I missed the mountains so I left the college that I was at and my favorite my <laughs> favorite is that my parents called it called me a college dropout <laughs> <laughs> I only took a year off. It wasn't really that long, but I was a college <laughs> dropout. Uh, it was great, though. It was fantastic. I uh, went and got a job at Snowbird, started working in the rental shop at Snowbird. And that kind of, like, was the first time that I was skiing every day. And I really was. Like, I had to be there every day. And then you'd work, like, a split shift and ski in the middle of the day or ski in the morning and then work in the evening, vice versa, whatever, you know. So um started skiing a lot. And I had a couple friends that – um, they were like, oh, Bert, you're pretty good at this. You should probably do one of those competitions. And I was like, I thought they were making fun of me. <laughs> so I watched one of the competitions and I remember thinking to myself, like, dude, these girls aren't like hitting big errors, like, but the guys are. And that really pissed me off. And, and I also kind of watched watched and thought maybe I could do that. But I think that's what we all think until you get thrown into the, I mean, I didn't win anything. So I clearly wasn't really competing. <laughs> I wasn't, there's a good, there's a good chance in my head. I thought it was a little better than I was, but um, anyway, so uh, yeah, I started competing, picked up some sponsors and then um, uh, serendipitous that I would share the same sponsors as Jess Baker. And that's what got us on that initial, um, Smith trip in 2016. Gotcha. Well done. Okay. Boats. Jess, let's talk about boats as we continue to make our way, you know, to talking about this, uh, current or latest project going Greenland. So we're at now 2016, and boats. Take it from there, please. Okay. I'm actually, I'm going to back us up just a little bit from 2016 because I did have kind of a, a pretty like profound boat experience in 2008. I, it was my first boat created adventure. And I, I had been like heli skiing in the Chugach for like four years at that point. And in 2008, I gathered a group to do a boat trip in, um, Prince William Sound up in Alaska to to access all the parts of the Chugach that the helicopters weren't able to access because I had been dying to see that terrain. So actually, what's interesting is that was like Hillary Nelson, um, Kasha Rigby, Kit Delorier, and and myself, and um, and Christopher Erickson was with us for that trip. And so that was actually my very first like full boat foray into like touring into the mountains. And it was it was kind of miserable. Like it snowed out almost every single day. Uh, it rained on us too. The boat was, it was like a kind of an old fishing boat that we sort of modified to make it okay for, for skiing, but it was kind of gross and whatever. We just made it work. And it was this like amazing trip, to be honest, and, and a really great time to bond with those people. But it made me realize, I think, that that might be like future access to a lot of mountains that many people can't get to. It's just like a little harder to do, a, a little bit trickier to pull off. And but when you do, there's like big rewards. So so that was 2008. Then forward forward to 2016, that was really my next biggest uh, boat foray. Like I said, and that was I got invited to go guide a group of women. It was a film film project, but guide a group of women up in Svalbard which is north up in the polar regions, way up in the Arctic, 
uh, essentially the tip of Svalbard, the northern tip is polar, considered polar. And um, it's like the home, like per percentage landmass, it's the home to the most polar bears um, compared to landmass. So it's kind of, it's the real deal. And during that trip, it just, I was just like so blown away by the landscape. And it just, it just like hit me really deep. I, I could not, I could not ignore the pull that I was feeling after I left that like I need to get back as soon as possible. That was also coupled with meeting Benjamin Rafo, who is the skipper of the Canute boat. This just like amazing man, like, you know, sailor artist, just this like master of so many things, kind, kind of my like kindred spirit. And so he and I decided to like start working together. He's like, well, let's, let's do another trip. Well, then the, then the next, the next year, Jess is such a badass that she takes me on a, um, a hut trip up to Canada and she guides me for a week when she's seven and a half months pregnant, literally like huge. I don't like guiding us around the Canadian Rockies. It was actually, I don't even know that, uh, different range. Um, but whatever we were up in, up in remote Canada, we were heli bumped in, heli bumped out type thing. And she guided me for a week while she was pregnant. So <laughs> she's amazing. <laughs> and then the next year, you know, when she's not pregnant, she decides to go back to the Arctic. <laughs> okay. Back to you, Jess. So, 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 you know, we, we did this amazing trip in 2016 up to Svalbard, 2017. And that's like actually a year after, well, a year and a half after I had my first child. Then 2017, I actually, I got pregnant right after that, that Arctic trip in 2016. Imagine that. And in, and, uh, in 2017, I had my, my next child. But yeah, so so Rachel and I go on this this Canadian hut trip in the Purcells. We were in the Purcells for that one. And um I was massive. I was so big. I was like um pretty much eight months pregnant. And I felt so slow and just like wobbly. And yet like having Rachel there with me just kind of somehow got me all stoked. And we were like jumping off of things. And I mean, we still had this awesome trip. So uh, yeah, I'll never forget though the feeling of this just like massive round belly. And it was just like, I, I don't know, I'm exaggerating, maybe a little 30 pounds. It just felt like 30 pounds of this thing out in front of me just slogging along up the trail and Rachel's like singing and dancing and laughing. And like, it just kept me going the whole time. So we had this crazy trip while I was pregnant. Then I had a, then I had a kid and, uh, and then I was just like, okay. Yeah. I loved that trip because that was the first time I could ever keep up with you. (laughs) You're like, thank God. I loved that pace. I was like, man, pregnant Jess is great. (laughs) This is the best, the best Jess to go out with. Yeah. Yes. But that whole time I was like yearning to get back to the Arctic. Like, of course, my family came first, but but there was just this like seed inside me from that first 2016 trip. I'm like, I got to get back. So the whole time I had been like, you know, having more family members. I also had been in touch with, with the captain and, and he and I were like, Captain Ben, Captain Ben and Captain Ben and I were like, we're, we're crafting the next adventure. And so ultimately what we came up with was, 
you know, he was he was going to bring the boat to Norway. And I was like, sweet, okay, I want to catch the boat in Norway and let's sail from northern Norway across the Barents Sea and then sail and ski our way all the way to the most northern tip of Svalbard. Let's do that. <laughs> Wait, Rachel, is this story going right? Well, yeah, it is. But I think that people that are listening need to know that the reason that she wanted to do that isn't like for the for the sailing adventure. It's because it's very, very difficult to access the southwest um, fjords of Svalbard because of the way currents and, and snow um, – ocean ice and whatnot, like the way things melt, the way the current goes, it's very difficult to access the Southwest region. And that's where the biggest mountains are. And of course, that's where Jess wants to go always. Like it, like, so that I think that there's something to that is that she's always like, even before we go to bed, you know, like, it, like if, if, if she and I are in the same room, she's on her phone, like looking at mountains on her, on her phone. She's just constantly looking at mountains that she wants to, she wants to climb. She wants <laughs> to access, you know? And she said to Ben, like, Hey, I can't, how do you get to these mountains here? And he's like, I don't I mean, not from long Longyearbyen, you know, you'd have to make the crossing crossing with us in order to access that. And Jess is like, Oh sweet. That sounds great. You know, <laughs> it's not, it's not great. why isn't it great rachel i'm not a sailor jonathan skier not a sailor and you know what it's like you so you leave you leave hammerfest we we met in hammerfest norway and we watched for watched for weather like we watched looked for a weather window we had we knew we had this like three to five day crossing of the open arctic ocean right crossing the barents sea and we you know, we're in Hammerfest, Nor- Norway, which is the northernmost township in the world, um, sailing north <laughs> from there <laughs> up to Polar ba- Bear Town. You know what I mean? You're like, yep. Yep. I mean, I was excited, but I had no idea what I, I had no idea what I was in for. And I it was, a, it was a big shock. So uh, not gonna, I'm not going to lie. There were, there were maybe some, some tears in my eyes when I saw land. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and there were walruses, which helped pacify my my fear. But it was really exciting. And of course, Jess is down, and I said okay too. But um, real powerful, powerful crossing there. Wow, Jess, what do you have to add to this narrative? <clears throat> yeah, so you know, so like the idea was, it was like this. We called it the Arctic Straight Line Project, and I knew I needed like a really good team that was hearty and lighthearted. Um, and so it ended up being. Rachel and um, Hazel Birnbaum. Hazel Birnbaum. And we also brought uh, Fred Marmsetter as our photographer, and he did a little filming too. But I knew I needed a hearty crew. And so so not only did we like cross the Barents Sea, we, we also like skied all these amazing lines up in northern Norway, stuff that's really hard to get to because you need a boat and it's winter and it's just tricky. And the other thing we were trying to do, which is kind of a fun piece of the story that not a lot of people know about, is that um, there's this really small but mountainous island halfway between Hammerfest and Svalbard. And it's called Bjornio, or Bear Island is how it translates. And and we were, I was dead set on skiing this thing because it has like a 3,000-foot mountain on this island in the middle of the Barents Sea. So, so we... We start off just like motoring north and it's like calm seas and mellow. And it's just like sea for days. Like 
three three days just like see for as far as the eye could see. And then we start to see the island, but also at the same time, the wind starts picking up like hardcore. We knew that we needed a little stopover to just like rest so everyone could sleep. Because otherwise, you know, the way it works is like every, you have to be on watch. So every few hours, you're the one that's on point. You're watching, making sure we don't crash into a Russian fishing ship or a whale or whatever. You know, you're on point every few hours. So we'd plan to take a break and maybe ski on Bjornio. But we get there and the wind's just starting to pick up more and more and more. And then, then we see the surf. We we start scanning the surf like over on shore where maybe we could like get in. And the waves are like at least, at least 10 feet tall. I'm talking like big barrels. I'm like, man, if we had surfboards, this would be awesome. But it was <laughs> gnarly. We we're like, there is no way we're going to take this tiny little dinghy and make it through that surf. We're done if that happens. And you can't fall in this water. This water is like zero degrees. Like you, you can't fall in this water. So long story short, we did not ski on Bjornio. That's still a tick list. We'll have to get back there, Rach. <laughs> it's all you, Jess. <laughs> I'll I'll go if you get pregnant again, <laughs> Jess. I'll go with that. I want this I want slower, Jess. <laughs> then Rachel and I will go. <laughs> oh, Jonathan says he wants to go. I I am very I just noted that. Good to know. Good to know. Careful what you ask for. You need to get 30 pounds heavier or you have to wear like a 50 pound weighted vest. One or the That's other. The guide pack. Right? Rachel, Rachel, you'd go that. Well, no, that in addition to your guide pack. <laughs> We're trying to level the playing field. <laughs> he gets it. <laughs> he gets it. Yeah, I mean, I just. He gets it. I, I do what Rachel, I do. I trust Rachel. I trust Rachel and her instincts. So, yeah. Oh, man. Okay, where are we now? So we're not skiing Bear Island. Still needs to be skied. Yeah, we yeah. And and it's to be clear, Bear Island has been skied by actually I only know of one party that successfully skied it. How they got to shore, I don't know, but they did it. Um so we continue north, but now the seas have picked up. And now we've got I am not I am not lying here. 30 to 40 foot waves. Things that look like they're going to envelop your sh- your ship behind you. You look behind you and you're like, oh, another one's coming. That kind of sees for the next three days. And, you know, we're skiers and then we have our really hardy captain and we're just like, just trying to hold on. And actually, I think we all did really, really well. I didn't get sick until the very, very end. I don't think Rachel ever gets sick. She's got some amazing like, constitution. But but we it was it was rough and you know we were on point like every few hours you were on point and then the southern tip of Svalbard came into view and the seas started to just wane just a little bit and the sun started to show and these walruses come straight up out of the sea and like pop their heads at us and look at us and we're just like oh my god we made it like we we've done it we did it we we crossed the Barents Sea and now we're in the most epic terrain in the southern tip of Svalbard like just mind-boggling. I think I did cry also. Like Rachel was saying, I just, I saw the land. I, there's this like photo of me that, that, that <laughs> really captured the moment. And I'm just, I'm like smiling ear to ear, but you can also see like tears down my cheeks. It was just like, we did it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. We hadn't, we hadn't slept for a long time. So, you know, we were tired, scared, emotional that was pretty powerful that was a pretty powerful 
arrival. <laughs> Man, this is just getting us to the arrival. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no. We were just talking about cross crossing the uh that was that was a scary one. Jess is like, you should do this. I said, sure, let's do this. And then I paid for it. It was really scary. And then the polar bears and whatnot. Yeah, we got to ski some cool stuff. But I mean, like, I said I'd never go sailing ever, 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 ever again, especially on that boat. And she invited me back the next year. And I said yes before even hesitating. <laughs> like, Because <laughs> you've already established. You kind of mostly just want to hang out with Jess. Oh, it's true. So you're like, well, okay, I guess I got to go on this one. The Arctic also does. It's magical. There's something, once you ban, part of your soul will always remain. And there's like that little counterpart that's constantly calling you back. It's so special. The ice just is, it's very special. Where are we timeline wise now? Okay. So we are in 2018 right now on the Southern tip of Svalbard. We ultimately end up like working our way through all sorts of terrain up North I ended up doing even another trip later after Rachel left me, but like, ultimately, ult, yeah, she left me and she literally, I just want to be clear about this. She's not lying. She was like, Jess, I love you. This was amazing. I can't, I can't believe we did this. And, and I don't ever want to do this again. <laughs> and I was like, cool. I'll talk to you in like a few months. Just, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember she said it. I was like, okay, okay, cool. I love you too. But like, we'll talk later. So, so we did this amazing trip, skied all the way to the north, fended off polar bears, etc. And and the trip ended like they all do. And it's always really sad to to leave these places. And and of course, I was like, well, what are we doing next? I'm not done with this at all. And then it was like, Captain was like, well, I might be in Iceland, which is kind of close to Greenland, which I was like, Greenland, Greenland, I would go to Greenland. And then, and then it was like Greenland. We're going to Greenland. So 2019 became the Greenland, the first Greenland trip. Okay, keep it going. Let's talk Greenland 2019. So Greenland 2019. So, so you know, I did wait to ask Rachel. Like, I was, I was very aware that Rachel was like, "Yeah, that was cool," but like, "Fuck no, I'm not doing that again." Sorry, bleep. Okay. So, but really, like, it was like I knew I had to be kind of careful when I asked her. So I, I was, I made sure to kind of wait till like summer. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like. I was like, I'll just be really, really tactical about this. And so I was like, hey, Rach. And, and you know, we had gotten her. She At that point, she was working with a clothing sponsor that I was working with. And they had started to in, have a lot of interest in helping fund this next trip. And I was like, it's, it's a no-brainer. Like, we're, we're sponsored for this. Like, I need you. You're the one. Like, you, I need you to come with me. And she said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, why'd you say yes? Just thematically speaking, because I say yes to Jess maybe more than I should. <laughs> but I also, I, you know, I missed, I, I did, I missed the Arctic. I missed, I missed glaciers that, you know, are five to 20 miles wide, you know, and um, I don't know. So, and Greenland just sounded so exciting. And it was, it was awesome. So I said yes. 
Okay. Well, I know we need to eventually get talking about, you know, the the latest trip. But so can you give us a few details on Greenland 2019? Yes. Rachel? I can do that. Um, so Greenland 2019 was um, th- like quite literally the most successful, like three weeks of skiing that I've ever, ever had. Maybe not three. It was the three week trip, but there were whatever. The skiing was probably only like 14 days. Anyway, point being, it was the wildest thing on the planet to have perfect corn every single day for the entire trip. Sun, corn, we could get the dinghy to shore. We could navigate like we, uh, it, that usually never, we, it was so good and consistently per like we, we actually took a sunny day off just because we were exhausted. And that's unheard <laughs> of. Yeah. You never yeah. take a sunny day off, ever. We took a sunny day off because we were so exhausted. So that's how successful it was. Well, when we came back, we did find out, um, unfortunately, that was due to the fact that 2019 was the beginning of a huge, huge heat stroke for Greenland. The beginning of of some very very warm well the warmest warmest years ever, so um, it was like we had a great trip and then you kind of it's like a bittersweet you're like ooh there's a reason for that and that reason isn't necessarily something exciting. So we had this like really successful trip, um, explored all sorts of like uncharted water and terrain, and and actually went deeper into some of these fjords than any other boats that we know of that that have gone with skiers prior we went further in we just like went deep had the weather for it but we noticed we noticed the melting it was like oddly warm i mean we were like in our ski bibs with just like sports bras on and just like cruising these skin tracks super hot really amazing skiing but just like a little worrisome with the melting and and we were like filling our water bottles everywhere we were just like melting glaciers so it's true. So so when we got back and we were able to like reconnect with internet and whatever, we we started researching and we were like, whoa, war- warmest year on record or almost the warmest year on record. 2012 was a, also another one, but we were like there witnessing it and being part of it. And and while we didn't really know what was coming, like a pandemic essentially, there part of me was like, whoa, we this is like much bigger thing than just exploring and skiing and and connecting with nature. This is like, we're talking global warming here. And the more I did research, the more I was like, whoa, like Greenland's getting like exponentially affected by this, this warming. And it's been, it's been steadily increasing as like, you know, CO2 particulates have been increasing in our atmosphere. And I just started like doing the research and I, I was like a geologist in school and I actually did a bunch of climate work and, so as I delved deeper, I got kind of nerdy about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this this is like a, this is crazy. And this is a story that we're now kind of a part of and we have witnessed. And so both Rachel and I, I think we were like, wow, we kind of need to go back. But then the pandemic hit, then the pandemic hit and everything got shut down. And like any plans to go anywhere was like, nope, never mind. We're not doing this. And then, then we came out of the pandemic and the boat captain was like, all right, I am willing to meet back in Greenland again if you want to. 
And now that brings us into present day going Greenland movie. Little little shift with with what the boat became too. So we can we can start that story next. Well, wait a second. What I want to go to is so Captain Ben's like, hey, we can do this again. At this point, Jess, do you call Rachel? <laughs> It's like, hey, Rach, what's up? How you doing? Like, I want to hear how the invitation goes this time around. Well, so, so thankfully, thankful. Actually, wait, Rachel yeah, wants Rach, to interrupt. You go, you go. Okay, Rachel, you go ahead. Well, I mean, I was actually kind of feeling like I couldn't wait to get back on the boat because we had just had, like, smooth sailing and Corn gotcha. skiing and sunshine, you know? And I was like, yeah, let's go back to Greenland. <laughs> You're like, sailing to ski is awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, fast forward to this May. It snowed six feet before we arrived, the day before we arrived. It was a slightly different spring. <laughs> so, really, not su- really. Not sun and corn? No, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> So the saying yes was the easy yeah. part. You were you were you were pretty in. Oh, I was in. Yeah. You're like you're like me, short memory. Like I always say <laughs> I <laughs> it's like goldfish memory. I think we might share that in common. Oh, for sure. It's like I always say I dress I always dress for a day of skiing. I dress dependent on what the the last day of skiing was. So I always dress for yesterday <laughs> and like, I'm like, oh yeah. So if it was, you know, sun and corn, yeah. like that's just what this next thing will be. And at some point I might learn that that isn't always true. But at this point in my life, I don't actually think that I will learn. <laughs> Jess? <laughs> okay. But I, ha- that's like, so t- you've nailed it on the head with that, that analysis because Rachel, like talks to our cinematographer separately she's like oh you you don't need a puffy like it's gonna be like warm and and i was and i was like as a guide i'm like no no no, always bring the puffy like we're we're in the arctic like no no bring the puffy we get there and it's like (laughs) cold like really cold winter i was like oh hey eric did you bring that puffy he's like yeah i'm so glad i brought the puffy (laughs) so bad (laughs) All right, so basically, no one should take apparel advice from me or Rachel, is what we're establishing. Okay, okay. (laughs) So, pandemic happens. And actually, during the pandemic, like, all these warm years are happening. It's like, we keep hearing, like, ooh, Arctic's melting at a faster rate. Greenland ice sheet melting at a faster rate. I keep seeing all the headlines. I'm subscribed to all these, like, scientific journals, and they're all flashing me this news. We start to come out of the pandemic... I start doing the research. Greenland's opening up. We don't, we, we're able to travel to that country. I call the captain. He's like, yep. I'm like, I'm like, however, have, have you, have you modified the boat? Because his dream in 2019 was to modify the boat so that it ran on like purely renewable energy. And I, and this is in the planning stages, but I was like, did, did it happen? Like, is it good to go? Like, are we, are we a renewable energy boat? He's like, yeah, we did it. Like during the pandemic, we have transformed the boat. We threw out the diesel engine and now it's like, you know, an electric motor with battery cells and lots of solar panels and wind turbines. And that's, that's how we're going to operate now, which was cool. It was like, there's the story. It's like, we're going to go back. We're going to see if we're going to see what kind of melting happened over three years that were already recorded as some of the warmest on record. 
And we're going to travel on a renewable energy boat. So like we can actually attempt to do this with a a greener footprint, even though we're going to like fly there and do all these things. There's just like a piece of this trip that's like really going to come together in this theme. And and it's going to be the real deal. Yeah. I mean, I was in, I, I think it's really cool. He also like, he raised his family on the, on the, the new and improved eco canute during the pandemic, which is pretty cool. The family lived on the boat for two years and, so, um, yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty exciting, exciting stuff. You know, the, the new electric engine was a fraction of the size and Ben always hated the sound of diesel. So it was kind of, he was really excited about the engine. He, he said it over and over and over and over when we did motor a little bit, um, this trip, he's like, do you hear that? Do you hear that? Yeah. It's so quiet. You can't hear anything because he hated the old engine. So he was excited about it. I was excited about it. So, I mean, that, you know, didn't last the whole trip, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) The excitement, you mean? The excitement didn't last the whole trip? No, the excitement for the electric engine. (laughs) Sounded like a great idea until it wasn't. (laughs) I, I feel like I just need to say, say more at this point. Jess? So yeah, so so the first like crux that we were not a part of is that Ben was living down in the Canary Islands for the pandemic and had transformed the boat down there to this green boat. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to sail up to you guys. It's a three-week trip, essentially, with only one little stopover on some tiny island. I can't even remember the name, but that was the only stop he had to get all the way up to Greenland. So he knew this was a big trip, but couple things happened right before he left that kind of delayed his departure. And uh, so so he, he leaves, and, and we know this, and this is like three weeks ahead of us going that direction. Yeah, so, so I get this like, this kind of cryptic, slightly desperate text like two weeks in, and he's like, I'm not sure I'm going to make it. It's really rough. Conditions are tough. This is dangerous. I will be in touch when I can. And I was like, oh, no, I think I still have the text. It's like, uh-oh. And then I wrote back. I said, okay, your safety matters most. And then I didn't hear from him. And then we're, like, getting on our flights, wow. headed to Greenland. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so <laughs> yeah, seriously, you're like, you have to leave or you choose to leave without having heard so what, wait, wait, wait. So what are you, are you like, well, I guess we'll just get over there and maybe we're going to assume Captain Ben's got this, but maybe it will be a day or two or three or 10 later. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, essentially what you're saying is true. Like we knew he was en route and, and we knew there were no other stopover points. So it was either he like, lay adrift at sea and never makes it to us or he's going to make it to Greenland. So sure enough, I believe we we got to Copenhagen, which is where we had to go initially to then fly back to Greenland. And I got another text and it says, I'm, I'm, I'm three days out, which actually aligned because we were like, we had like a pretty big system of layovers before we could even get to where we needed to be. And um, I was like, okay, so it's working. It's, it's going to happen. 
we we make it to Greenland. And even in Greenland, you have to like, you start at Kangerlussik, which is this like old US military base further north. It's like literally there's nothing there except like an airport and like one small cafe. And I get another text from him that's like, I made it to Nook. It's going to work. I'll see you soon. However, I'm out of power. <laughs> that's what it says. No more power is what it says. And we're just like looking, like Rachel and I are sitting across from each other at this small cafe with nothing else around. And we're like, how's this going to play out? Like, how how are we going to do this? Yeah. <laughs> it seems like a the reasonable question. Yeah. So so we finally get to Minitsock ourselves. Boat captain is almost there. Almost there. He hasn't gotten there. We get here there just before him. We essentially watch him pull into port. And when we when we see him pull into port... He's just like, essentially in a sailboat term, hobbling along. Boat is covered in ice, like, like thick, like covered all over the boat, all over the railings, all over the mast. And the and the boat captain looks haggard, haggard. It's like, oh my gosh, we don't know what you just went through, but we know. If you look haggard, you, the boat captain, the most like resilient man I know, look like this right now. That was so intense. So intense. Yeah, heart sinkingly intense. Wild. He's he's a badass. And then you're kind of thinking, man, we haven't even actually started the trip. Like the trip trip, we haven't even like Ben barely Ben barely made it to the start line. Dude, the guy hasn't slept for like three weeks. <laughs> That's not true. He oh said he God. slept a lot in the beginning, but I don't even care. He just he hadn't slept. It's the first is his first Arctic voyage on the new Eco Canute. He figured out he test he, you know, you gotta know you gotta test test the limits to know the limits. Well, he figured the limits out, you know. So I mean it was it was wild. So at this point, are there any conversations about, oh my God, you're you've just been through a storm literally like we we need to just cancel the planned trip rachel is this is absolutely did not take place given the face rachel is currently making rachel is this because jess never would have allowed this to happen just making a guess here no this is that i don't know how well i'm i'm going to say it i don't know if i can but it took it took a village of sponsorship to make this thing happen. And our, I mean, not going, we would have had to figure something out, you know? Yeah. It wasn't an option, you know? So we were going to stay on the boat. We got a hotel room that night to give Ben a night. But then we got up the next day and started our grocery shop, started chipping off the ice, literally, you know? So, um, like, literally, uh, there wasn't, it wasn't an option. <laughs> Chess. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, uh, we knew, we knew the captain needed some rest. He, he was actually insisting. He's like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Move in onto the boat right now. Like, well, that was our plan originally. Just because I'm late doesn't mean, you know, just get on the boat. We're good. And as I started inquiring, he's like, yeah, I'm out of power. I'm, I'm sleep deprived. Okay. I was like, okay. Yeah. So we got the hotel room. We give him some space. But then, like, we go over to the boat the next day and start bringing our stuff over. And he's like, all right. He's, like, getting ready. He's, like, 
we're doing this. I've reset. I'm good. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're crazy. Like, yes, you have reset, but part of us in the back of our heads were like, yeah, but he just had some huge epic to get to us here. Probably the first renewable energy boat to do it in that way ever. And we sort of downplayed it just so we could like get our trip going. But we all knew deep down that that was like a really big deal that he was able to pull that off. Okay, so proverbially speaking, we are off and sailing. And this then takes us to your film, Going Greenland. And there is um, a comment in the film that I think is quite fitting. And admittedly, I hadn't really thought much about this before watching the film. I don't recall if Rachel said this or Jess said this, but one of you said, you know, to sail to go ski in the Arctic means that you are sailing when it is not sailing season. And I was like, oh, I should have thought about this uh, earlier, and I really had not. But I think that might uh, set the stage a little bit when it comes to sort of some of the conditions that you were facing out on those open waters. Is that fair to say? Absolutely fair to say. I've been on the boat in the wintertime, and it didn't even register to me, you know, that skiers want to be in a snowy place at a substantially different time that a sailor wants to be sailing around said place, you know? And a lot of the fjords are still iced up. There's sea ice. There's, you know, I mean, like, it's just not, it's not necessarily a good sailing season when the skiers want to arrive, you know? And so it was, uh, it was definitely, um, yeah. I mean, there, we had, crazy winter weather, which creates crazy winter seas. And it was, um, I mean, it called for a very large amount of resilience. <laughs> hmm. it, it wasn't all sun and corn. It was not all sun and corn. And a lot, it was a lot of problem solving. Um, like, whether it be just super fast, you know, on the go, like we've got to address something that just happened or just broke or just ripped or, or, you know, or we have to talk about a wind pattern because we are low on, on power right now. We can't actually depend on this electric engine to be able to get us out of some of these really remote places. And so, um, yeah, it was it, it was it was there was a lot of problems problem solving involved, you know. Jess, is that how you recall the trip? Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, when you're working with a renewable energy boat and it's not sailing season per se, but it is ski season, you just have to be ready for compromise, a lot of compromise and and you have to be resilient. Like things aren't always comfortable in those situations. The the beauty of it though, like these those are the hard things, but the beauty of it is you are working with nature a lot more and you you get in a rhythm with it. And whether or not you got to exactly where you wanted to be, somehow like a lot of things keep aligning. And I think partly, and I'm kind of having this epiphany right now, part of that is because we are actually working with the rhythm of nature while we're out there. And that's what we're doing. We're skiing on these mountains. That's nature. Like yeah, it's kind of working out because we're kind of working with the rhythm of it all. No, it's not exactly as efficient as we, it would have been with our diesel motor, but 
a lot of success comes out of this. I really like that phrase, working with the rhythm of nature. And and in thinking about the film, we were talking a little bit earlier about this, but one of the things that I think is really compelling about the film, and if, if I got to um, suggest a kind of mindset for people to go in with to watch the film, is I think... I mean, one, it's a great sort of adventure film, but it also does just raise a lot of questions about travel and about expeditions and about forms of travel and about energy sources and alternative energy sources. And I think that maybe in one version of its most effective form is if people just go in and let the film or use the film as a kind of catalyst for thinking about these topics, these very big topics. And I think that that would be as opposed to like, and then the punchline of the film is X, you know, but I think for each of us to think through our own current principles, philosophies on some of these bigger topics. And by the way, these things evolve. We evolve over time. So I think anybody that wants to dig in too hard on one side of things, I might just offer the caution like you might change your tune in a year or two or as new information comes out, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know. That was just kind of my thought is that I hope people come in ready to see what you all did And then just use this as a chance to think through some of these very big, prominent topics that any of us who go outside, and frankly, those of us who don't go outside, we have to kind of reckon with these things and our relationship to travel and to use your term, Jess, working with the rhythm of nature. By the way, if I may, just one more thing. This is something that we do all the time anyway, is having to increasingly decide how much technology we actually want to let into our lives, right? So that's maybe a conversation we're a little more used to having when it comes to, say, social media, right? And that's kind of a hot thing where it's like, yeah, we probably shouldn't be doom scrolling for hours and hours a day. But the fact is technology is so widespread. And by the way, it's also amazing in so much of what it allows us to do But we need to think about energy use, the technologies available to us. And I think that what you did on this trip was walk through that experiment of what if we didn't take advantage of every modern technology out there? What does that look like and what is there to be learned? And maybe that will inspire us to be like do I need that smartphone or do I need it as much as I use it? Etc. 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 Sorry for that longer take, but we finally got to the film, and I, I did want to just share a couple of the things that the film kind of had me thinking through, and that I hope maybe some others go into the film and see it with some of those questions to mind. Totally. I mean, you think about it like I mean, back in the day, sailing was the technology, right? You know what I mean? Like that was the technology. And then, and then, you know, now fast forward 
to modern day and you have engines that can and engines and maps and, and, and internet, even when you're in the middle of nowhere, you know, and all of these things. And you just, you kind of forget about the rhythm of nature, right? Cause you just motor straight through it. And one of the cool reveals to, uh, to our trip was that we were kind of reverting back to not being reliant on that specific technology and, and, um, kind of, kind of falling back into a rhythm. And my brother actually said something to me that really resonated, but he said, Rachel, you're the queen of FOMO, right? Like you hate to miss out. And it felt at times when we were on this boat and we couldn't get to where we wanted to go, it felt like maybe we were missing out on some of the things that we, we knew were so good and so amazing and right there and so close to our grasp, you know? And he said that the, the beauty of, of what happened with this specific trip is that it wasn't, you weren't missing anything. You had this amazing reveal to where you realize that you, you, you start to look at more, you know, you aren't tunnel visioned riding out, you're like motoring through a fjord on your way to get somewhere. You, you had to stop and open your eyes and see all of the different possibilities. And we ended up skiing this amazing line that we would, we would have motored straight by. There's absolutely no way we would have skied it. And it ended up being one of the most amazing lines I've ever skied in my entire life because of that exactly what you said, like just not being able to rely on that form of technology. Not being able to dictate exactly where we're going today. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. I, I kind of see it, it twofold. Actually, I see it as like, we're, we're letting go of some technologies that maybe don't serve us that well anymore. Like a diesel motor. I mean, diesel engines and engines, combustion engines have been like an amazing technology have allowed us to travel all over the place. But we took that away to actually add some newer, greener technology that I think will only expand and improve over time. And I think that will become a, a much higher technology. I mean, it's, it already is expanding. Look at like electric cars and whatnot. But I just think by stepping back and slowing down a little, it allowed us to appreciate like a new way of travel and and also really start to consider just like through a slightly slower way of moving a broader perspective uh, truly just like in, in a lot of ways just a much broader perspective well i'm looking forward to more people seeing this film and where will they be able to go where should they go now to find updates on where and how to see the film Okay, so we've premiered in Jackson, Wyoming. Big success. And now the big question is, where can we see this film? So we're entering into film festivals right now. And um, as soon as we start to see the schedule of events, we will be updating everyone on goinggreenland.com. Goinggreenland.com. Excellent. This has been fun. Thank you for the tales of sailing and skiing and friendship and, and comps. And Rachel, thank you so much that if Jess ever asked me to go ski with her somewhere, I'm going to insist on like the 45 pound weighted vest or or there's no deal. So I appreciate that. That seems like a good bit of self-preservation. You're welcome. Uh, advice you've given me. <laughs> yep. Thank you both. And uh, the film the film is fun. And as I as I tried to articulate, I do think it has the potential to just open up 
again, for a number of people, some good thinking along these lines. So um, thanks to the two of you. Thanks to Captain Ben. Good luck with everything going forward. Thank you so much, Jonathan. It's been a pleasure to be on here with you. Serious honor. Thank you so much. I've missed, I've missed it. It's so nice to be back on your podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for including us. Well, thanks to you too, and we'll talk soon. Okay. Well, that's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. I want to say thanks to Jess and Rachel for the conversation. Thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode. And from the entire team here at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. We will talk to you again later this week on all of our other Blister podcasts. Bye, everybody.